Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. I know. Welcome to the future of esports marketing. My name is Rebecca Langawa. I'm your host. And today we're talking all about personal branding. My guest is John Davidson, former pro skateboarder, executive from GameStop, and now working uh, with the team at PRG. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So you and I both know a lot about personal branding. We both have personal brands, yours starting obviously in the skateboard scene. How did you first come to realize that you were a brand, that you had a personal brand? That's a great question. I think I did it for a very long time without really being purposeful with it when I was younger. You know, my personal brand started at age of 14 when I was first sponsored by my first skate shop and then got shoe sponsors and skateboard sponsors and things of that nature, it was probably maybe four or five years of doing that until I really understood that I needed to stand out, that when I went to a competition, I wanted people to have their eyes on me. And a funny way that I did that was one of my sponsor shirts, I had this bright green shirt that was from one of my sponsors and I would wear this shirt when I would do contests because you have a bunch of people. Yeah. The same one. Yeah. This one bright green one. It was kind of like, I guess became my lucky shirt or something like that. But Mm -hmm. the reason I did that was in some formats where you have multiple skaters skating at the same time competing, you couldn't help but notice me because I was this guy in this super bright green shirt. And then standing out that way. And then I guess from a business perspective, it's really been just the last two or three years that I've really started to focus on a personal brand. And one of the things, kind of the insights I gained was I don't want to be famous. And I used to think for a time that creating a personal brand was very maybe self-focused and it was It was all about hyping yourself up. And what I realized is creating a personal brand is not so much about being famous as it is increasing your opportunities and by standing up from the crowd. So even if you're somebody who doesn't want to, you know, be on stages speaking, doesn't want, you're not looking for a book deal. You're not trying to have a ton of followers or whatever, but if you want to be successful, even if you're not maybe the face of the organization, it's still going to help you with interviews, with recruiting, and with your broader network if you develop a personal brand. Right. Like a personal brand equals brand equity. Absolutely. Yep. You're exactly right. And from a, from a business strategy, what are some platforms that you are seeing individuals on the business side and esports specifically some of these thought leaders, uh, business leaders within the industry, what are some of those platforms that you see being curated for building out personal brands? Yeah, for me personally, it's two platforms in particular. It's LinkedIn and Twitter. The reason why, you know, I'm not on Instagram and I'm not on Facebook. Those are just choices that I've made. But the entire esports and gaming world is on Twitter. That's the platform of choice. So when I got into the industry, I recognized, hey, I need to be on Twitter to interact with the community, to be on there. And then LinkedIn, I remember when I was in college, I thought LinkedIn was the lamest thing in the world. (laughs) I think it kind of was pretty lame. I mean, when I first started using LinkedIn was 2008 Uh and it was very much resume recruiting. And it was 2011 when I started working at the Timberwolves where being intentional with my LinkedIn 
was paying dividends because I was within an organization that business people from all over, not only within sports, but traditional brands, advertising agencies, different product services that want to sell into a team. Because I was, I, I had a role that was very present. I, my title was brand manager. So mm -hmm. a lot of people wanted to connect with me. And it that was my light bulb moment. That was like my personal brand light bulb moment to say, I'm getting traction when I'm posting content or sharing things. And it was very focused around the team, but that's when I started growing a, a, a brand presence with LinkedIn and it kind of shifted how I saw that platform. I think a lot of people still think of it as like just a place you go to try to find your next job, but it's, it's evolved. How have you seen it evolve? I've seen it evolve from when I was in college, I was like, this is old people trying to do Facebook, but it's lame. <laughs> <laughs> careful with that water I know. Sorry. <laughs> but and I think two things have happened one is they've evolved but I've evolved as well I didn't have the vision and the understanding to understand how valuable a platform it was and I've seen I think what's cool is obviously you can get in touch with just about anybody in business you can do a search and you can get on people's radar, right? I yeah. love that you can develop communities that are very specific to what you do. You can join groups yeah. that are, you're kind of loosely working together sort of a thing. And what I've started to do as well is started to share some more personal things on there as well. LinkedIn is not Facebook. And so I'm not doing status updates or something like that. Right. But I used to just do work updates just like hey this is what my company is doing and then as i've started to kind of self-reflect and build out my personal brand i've started to share things that mean things to me that that are, go into how i've become who i've become and like i i posted something i think just a couple days ago and it was if what was it if servanthood is beneath you leadership is beyond you. Oh, like that. Yeah, that's yeah. a really cool quote. And I got a lot of great response to that. And that's, that doesn't necessarily, that's not me trying to necessarily promote myself in that moment or promote my business, which I do absolutely promote myself and my business on LinkedIn. Yes, we know. But I think it's cool too, to have moments where you can just share things that either brighten someone's day or, or give people a, a great purpose perspective to view life right. or their working environment because you've learned things you know throughout throughout your career and I wrote an article about authentic relationships which really stemmed from a lot of content that I was reading not only on LinkedIn but also on Instagram a lot of posts about you know not giving people your time not being open Ooh. and as someone who does a lot in mentorship, it was mm -hmm. starting to feel like abrasive and a turnoff. And it actually made me think, yeah, I would be hesitant to do business with this person or even reach out to them about business because they just seem so closed off. Mm -hmm. And, and I shared a story about running into a girl who's probably 11 or 12 years younger than me that I, knew throughout the years and had mentored, she'd reach out every couple of years. And I had run into her just on the street and she had asked if I would be willing to have lunch with her mm. um, later to talk about kind of where she was in her career. Well, it was, it gave me an ability to actually refer her to a creative agency that I was on contract with. So it was mutually altruistic. And if you're not open cool. to doing that and, yeah. and access in that regard, has been something that my personal brand has been built around also. Like I'm known and you're known, we're very similar in this regard as, as connectors and as yeah. mentors. We both mentor startups officially, yes. right? Yep. And there's individuals that we believe in that we're willing to invest our time in because they make our industry better. How, in which ways do you feel like your personal brand, like that's one of my like personal brand pillars 
-hmm. how, how do you approach, do you come from like a brand pillar standpoint with your brand? Are you coaching people on personal branding? Like what are those key attributes that you try to use as like a, for that foundation of personal brand? Yeah, I think my foundation, it's, so there's a few different pillars here, I think. How do I stand out from the crowd, right? And so I've become the, the esports business guy who skateboards, I guess, right? And then yeah. the story there is how my career in skateboarding has enabled me to effectively engage youth and niche subcultures, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of crossover between gaming and skateboarding. I mean, there's skateboarding video games, right, historically. Exactly. And the, the mindsets, most importantly, the mindsets of the communities are very similar as to the inside group, the community, and then how they view outsiders. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's very common. I guess the other pillars would be, I just, I really love connecting people. It, and everything kind of stems under like, how can I help people? There's, there's a variety of different ways you can do that. But as I've, I guess, become less self absorbed <laughs> over the last few years and started to focus on other people other than myself. It just, it, it gives me a lot of fulfillment, contentment. Like, you know, when I connect two people who then do a business deal together, that gives me so much joy, even more than if I'm just doing something on my own. But right. you also, you don't need to be afraid of including yourself in those deals too, right? So right. At PRG, you know, we're doing production, we're producing live events and live streams, broadcasts. And so I can, I can make an authentic, mutually beneficial connection between two people, but also position me and my business to be able to work within that as well. So let's say if I connect a team and a brand, but I say, hey guys, when you do the brand activations after you do the deal, would love you to consider PRG. Right, right. And so those are ways... You, I think there's a difference between having an agenda and then setting yourself up for success. Right. I, I love that you said that because I think you're absolutely right. It comes down to the intention. And if Absolutely. you, if your intention is to connect people just to try to make a future sale, it's going to really come across as just that. And one thing that I've always totally loved and respected about you because Years ago, I remember getting connected to you through Stadia Ventures mm -hmm. and having questions about the very first esports competition that I worked on here in Minnesota that mm -hmm. was produced uh, by Elevar Gaming and was hosted at Mystic Lake Casino. Yeah, and I, I was trying to, I had a very challenging position of trying to bring in brands to even just experience and watch because right. it's a three-year or it's a three-year deal every you know twice twice a year so it's a total of six events and this was the very first one no one knew what esports was this was years ago but um reaching out to you and just from an insider's pr perspective you were at GameStop at the time having conversations and you were so generous with first of all your time but also explaining to me from the brand side where you were living, what are the brands looking for? What do you need to, how, how do you need to come across? What do you need to communicate? And, yeah. and the biggest thing about that is what it created with you and I is a super close, authentic relationship. Yeah. So that's what everything to me kind of anchors back towards is caring about people Mm -hmm. And creating authentic relationships and connecting them because you care. But then when you have this bond with somebody, you want to do that business with them. If I was working on something, I would be embarrassed to not call you to work with you <laughs> because of how close our business, our, our business has been to one another and aligned. We've been there, but also just like our friendship, like we've just become friends through this world of, of esports. Yeah, I always say. It, it, it ultimately everything comes down to relationships. You know, the reason why there's laws against hiring your friends is because everybody hires their friends <laughs> and guess what? They do it anyway, right? right? They find a loophole and it, a lot of business comes down to, are you cool to hang out with? Mm -hmm. Right? So like, number one, if we're stuck in a room for two days because we have to meet a deadline or something, can I stand you? 
for, and yes. can you stand me is one right. thing. The other thing is if, if we're involved in a partnership or some sort of deal and it goes sideways, how are you going to react to that? If I'm under delivering or if something comes out of nowhere, you want to work with somebody who you know is stable, who you can work through this to find a solution. And then a lot of it is just, we spend more time working than we do with our families a lot of times, right? Yeah. So like work is our life or it's a good solid chunk of our life. And so how much of your life can be enjoyable? And right. so if you can work with people that are really enjoyable, that makes all the difference. And what really opened my eyes to that was my first office ex experience, which I'm, I'm super thankful for. I was, I had just broken my ankle from being on a, a skateboarding tour. I'd had a bunch of crappy jobs and a girl I was dating at the time in Washington, DC, she said, go to a temp agency. Cause I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like yeah. everything I've done sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't grow up where there were a bunch of offices and stuff. I kind of grew up in this small uh, orchard type of farm town sort of a thing. And she said, go to a temp agency. I was like, what's a temp agency? You know, and, yeah. and I was so fortunate that they placed me at this tax firm that was one of the top 50 best places to work in Washington, D.C. And so my eyes were completely opened to the fact that I could do something that maybe didn't seem cool on the outside, like a tax firm, right? Yeah. Like that's not sexy or exciting. But the people, they were extremely selective of the people they hired and they had a wonderful culture. And so ultimately I decided I didn't want to be in the tax industry, but that was such a great moment and such a great learning experience to, to figure out, wow, it's not even so much what you do, it's who you do it with that matters. Right. That makes me think about how important work culture is to your personal brand. I, mm -hmm. I worked for a corporate um, entity at one point in my career that it became really clear to me that they wanted me to be a mini version of what they already were. And I was really losing my, my personal brand and my being somebody who works in branding and having a personal brand and feeling as though the only way I'm going to be successful within that organization is to make me the organization brand, I think there's a balance. There's a way to balance those two things. You should feel 100% authentic and true to yourself every single day and, yeah. and have the freedom to express yourself in, in your own way and, and grow your brand. It doesn't threaten an organization brand. It just doesn't. And I yeah. think there's this old school mentality of the old way of doing business where a lot of younger people feel mm. like they can't be themselves or that they're going to get lost. And, mm. you know, I took a big risk by just like hopping out of that and, yeah. and going out on my own and, and freelancing. And, and that way I, I really did it so that I could like, feel like I'm myself. What advice do you have for people who are really intent on having their own personal brand what are some of like, I wish I would have known the questions to ask or the things to look for early on to identify, is this a good culture fit? Absolutely. That's a great question. Is it, I think it really shows, it's a sign of the company and the leadership if they don't want to embrace your personal brand. Or maybe it's just not the right fit, right? Because for some organizations, there's some people that are a perfect fit for that. And then another and, and other people who are not a great fit for that. So I'll compare it to my time at GameStop. I'm so extremely thankful for the time at GameStop that I had, the things I learned, and I have a lot of friends who are still over there. However, it was a tough work environment for me. It was things that I just a lot of my job were, I, I want to say 80% was stuff I don't do well and don't really enjoy. Yeah. And then 20% of what I needed to do, which ended up being 80% of my time, right? That's how it works, is the stuff that I was good at and the stuff I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I've always naturally found myself either being speaking or being at the front of the stage sort of a thing through, yeah. since I was young. And so that's just one of my natural strengths. And I, I just always end up there. 
And so at GameStop, which is a publicly traded company, which is a very large company, they're extremely concerned about what an employee will say because it could affect the stock price, right? right? Like imagine if I'm on a podcast or I'm on a stage. In fact, this actually happened. I was given a keynote in Sacramento and they were obviously, they're promoting me as like, oh, head of GameStop partnerships and stuff like that. And I was answering questions afterwards. A guy walked up to me with a tape recorder and he put a tape recorder in my face and he said, I want to ask you a question. And I said, turn off the tape recorder and ask it to me. Right. right. <laughs> and it was, it was about how is GameStop going to pivot to digital? And it's this, this big question, question right? everybody was probably asking at the time and everybody wanted an answer, but that's not your role within the organization, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I said to this, fortunately, I did the due diligence to talk to our director of PR Mm-hmm. We did some media training and things of that nature. But I told that guy, I said, I can't answer your question because I'm going to get fired. <laughs> right, right. Now, compare that to where I am at, at PRG. And I'm not saying one is better or, or worse, but I, PRG just is a much more natural fit for me. Yeah. And so because there were all these limitations and things to be aware of saying or not saying at GameStop, when I did my onboarding at PRG, I asked my boss, I said, hey, what are the limitations? What are things that I should say or that I shouldn't say? And he said, John, your limitation is what makes you successful? Hmm. And nice. I was like, dang, this is going to wow. be awesome. <laughs> well, but PRG, it, it, the structure of the company is just so much different. And they're yeah. really at the end of the day, they're an entertainment company. Yeah. And your position is, is, something that you have to be out and vocal all the time because you're the esports guy, right? Right. Like that's your personal brand is very much the esports guy. Yeah. So well I think the difference with GameStop, while they gave me a fancy title that I was very thankful for, I I wasn't as forward facing. I was still an employee. I was probably a number on a spreadsheet to a certain point to some people over right. there. Right. At PRG, I'm building the whole vertical kind of from scratch globally. And so they do want me out there. They want me to, I think what's great and to better answer your question is finding a cultural fit that and it embraces your strengths. Yeah. Like there are a lot of jobs where they need somebody and there's a candidate and they hire you and you're just, you're told to do this job, right? Yep. Like, and there, there's a lot of language on what are the priorities of the business? Yeah. And you just have to fall in line and do those things. And then there's other brands and, and companies who are saying, okay, what do you do? Well, I know you like, so for me, I can talk about myself is I'm, Maybe I think my strengths are obviously kind of being the face and the voice, but also some vision and some strategy, thinking outside of the box. Yeah. What I'm not super great at, I'm not super detail oriented. So I'm a little bit more big picture. Mm-hmm. And if I'm rely, if it's reliant upon me to be detail oriented and to do the the tactical. small, more mm-hmm. tactical follow through stuff, I can do that. It's just, I'm not going to be as effective as somebody who does that well. Right. And do you feel, so you and I are very similar. So do you feel like when you get stuck in the weeds doing those types of things, you're almost limiting the ability to evoke progress or change within the organization because your strategy is so paramount to kind of what makes you special. That's how I feel a lot of times. That's how I felt over time. If I don't have a seat at the leadership table, what am I doing here? Because I see gaps and I know how to fill them. Well, yeah, I've always had the the mindset of like working on my weaknesses. Like I need to, if something I'm not good at, I need to work on that, that I'm really good all all around. And I think Gary Vee has talked about that. And I've talked to some other people about it of yeah, you, you don't want to be completely inadequate <laughs> in, in, in something, but focus on your strengths. Yes. You know, yep. And then find people who are complementary to you. So I think great leadership in an organization 
identifies people's strengths and they understand how to best fit them into the the mission and the vision of the organization and then you find complementary people who can who can come in and do the things I'm not great at. Right. So rather than saying John, part of your job is going to be to do all this detail oriented things, they're saying John, I'd like to introduce you to Mike and Mike is this awesome detail oriented tactical guy and you guys are going to work together to push stuff through John you discover it you create the strategy you push that forward Mike helps you push that through the organization right and then you have two people working specifically in their strengths where you could have these two people being way less effective working their strength half the time and then the things they're not good at and if you can pair that that's very powerful very powerful in terms of helping other people build out their personal brands, what are some areas that you find a lot of success in? Like, what are some of those tips and tricks that, that you've discovered for yourself or working with some of your clients? How does that apply to any of our listeners? What, what are some things that they can do like now? Sure. So I think the first thing is just is really understanding your story. You want your personal brand to be genuine. And some that might sound like common sense, but I think a lot of us, we, we sometimes want to portray ourselves as somebody who we, we aren't really, right? Or we wish, oh, I wish I was a speaker or something, but, but, I'm, but I'm not naturally a speaker. You're going to be swimming upstream, yeah. right? And society can sometimes assign different strengths as being better than the other but there's no truth in that. That's just how people see it. So right. I want to encourage you, even if your strength is somebody who's behind the scenes, you know how much, how necessary you are <laughs> to the people who are in front of the scenes. And so embrace that because it's going to be more consistent. It's going to be easier and you're going to, you're not going to have to work at it as much because it's going to come naturally. Right. So really, I think be honest about, who you genuinely are and what your, your strengths genuinely are. The other thing I would say is learn how to tell your story in various time formats and to different audiences as well. Because if building a personal brand, there's, you're going to want to find different ways to relate to people, mm -hmm. whether it's something in the news or whether you're talking to a new group, or sometimes you're going to have five minutes to talk to somebody Sometimes you're going to have a half hour or sometimes you're going to have all the time in the world to really just pour in all the detail, right? right. Yep. So I've learned that if I'm talking to skateboarders, I'm highlighting a lot more detail on what I did in skateboarding because if I'm talking to a bunch of business people, they don't have a, they're not going to understand right. that or appreciate it. Right. If I'm, if I'm talking to business people, I'm highlighting a lot more on the partnership and the marketing side. Mm -hmm. And then esports, we're more talking shop with with gaming and things, and I'm I'm focusing on that piece of my career. Yeah, I remember the first podcast I did. I told my whole story, <laughs> and the host didn't really want me to, and I thought that was like my only moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, that was like you thought that's what you needed to do. Exactly. Yeah, you're like when and, I was in first grade. Exactly, and yeah. he's like, "So, John, wrapping up here," and I'm like, "Just." <laughs> continuing what a nightmare um, but don't feel like you have to tell your whole story see the moment see the need because if you're essentially targeting the audience properly with your story you're going to be more effective and you're going to have other opportunities to tell more of the story that you want to tell yeah i believe that i worked with a wealth manager once who he would when people would say what do you do he would never be like oh, i'm a wealth manager because then everyone would turn around and run he would yeah. <laughs> say, he would know who he's talking to. And then he would say, oh, I work with people just like you. I work with people that are, you know, executives within, within pro sports. And I help them almost like a personal CFO. I really help, you know, guide them through all of their finances. So mm -hmm. he, and if he was talking to a small business owner, he'd be like, I, I work with people just like you. I work with small business owners, right? Like that's kind of his, how he would do it. But I liked the way that he positioned things because he made it about who he was talking to mm -hmm. and really relevant to that. Yeah. So it made me it made me think of that. Speaking of like being on podcasts, one thing that you and I have have talked about previously is 
how, how to approach being on a podcast. So you learned the hard way not to talk for 40 minutes straight and share your entire story, like a keynote and, and breaking things up. So what are some of the ways that you've seen people as a guest on a podcast be really a, a effective and grow their brand? Yeah, I actually got some great advice, a podcast I did just a few weeks ago with Rob Cressy. So he has a podcast called the Game Day Podcast, discusses a lot of sports and betting and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And after we, we recorded our podcast, he said, John, let me give you a tip. Learn how to structure what you say into sound bites within like 30 seconds to two minutes. And what he said is this easily enables an editor to then chop up small chunks that are more digestible that can be used for promotion and marketing of the podcast. Or a lot of times, if there's news that comes up, you, you, can, you then have something that you can point back to, to say, hey, this thing happened. I spoke on this at this time and here's the clip. Yeah. Right. And then you give people teasers to make them want to fully dive in. Our attention spans are so short nowadays that when we see an hour podcast that can really be intimidating, if I see two minutes of something of some, that'll, that's going to engage me and I'm going to listen to it. And if I like what I hear, then I'm going to listen to more of it. Right, right. And then another thing I would say is really understand what are kind of the climaxes of your story? What are like the, the tentpole moments? Because if it's, it's one thing to understand your story. It's another thing to learn how to tell it. Right. And so my story, I won't go all the way through it right now, but there's, I, I focus on moments that resulted in the next moment. So it's like, okay, I, I chased the skateboarding dream, but then I went to this temp agency and I was walking out the door and they grabbed my shoulder and they said, do you want a job starting tomorrow? right? That grabs your attention and that's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. it really happened. So that's helpful too. <laughs> yeah. And another one is at, at GameStop, my first day on the brand side, they said, we want you to figure out esports for us. Right. So that's like, that's a soundbite. That's a moment where you're saying, oh, wow, that's interesting. Tell me more. But it also helps break up the story into interesting moments versus just telling one long thing that people are kind of get right well and I think when you are taking on different experiences they can become these catalyst moments if you recognize that they can lead to other opportunities working within a pro sports team and learning a lot about new emerging sports technology mm -hmm. allowed me to be bold I literally just reached out to Carson Kipfer who was one of the founders mm -hmm. of Sports Engine and said this was after post being at the Wolves and I missed that part of it, just emerging tech. And I had mm -hmm. previously been at a digital agency, which is very innovative. And I just said, where can I get plugged in on sports tech? Like, are there meetups or groups you're involved in? And he was the one who introduced me to Tim Hayden at Stadia. Cool. Stadia has been a huge catalyst for me within mm -hmm. esports when, when we had some, some of these startups applying to the cohort that were esports companies. And I had already been familiar because my work with Van Horgan at Superhuman and what he was building out with Overwatch, I was familiar and I was doing research, but for my personal brand, it was almost like having the inside knowledge of emerging technology and esports brought me into the space authentically. And my ability to share what was happening and, and converse about what was happening on LinkedIn. Esports chose me. Like I didn't have a moment. I don't remember like a moment where I said, oh, I should really be focused on this and, and build it. It, it really yeah. got to a point where the only thing people wanted to talk to me about was esports and how did I get into esports and how do I get into esports? And right. I was like, I have to be all in on this because the hardest thing to curate is a captive audience. Absolutely. Yeah. And when that audience just organically starts coming to you, you have mm -hmm. to be able to capitalize on that. And I think from a personal brand, there will be those moments in people's life or career, whether they're a pro athlete or as soon as Kevin Love started talking about his experiences 
with mm-hmm. mental health and yep. and his anxiety, it was he didn't sit down and say, I'm going to share this and then I'm going to create this nonprofit and I'm going to speak all over and I'm going to go talk to Obama. He literally just did one bold move and the traction that it gained, he realized I have to continue this. Like I have to be all in here. And I think that's really powerful and important for people who you don't have to completely curate your entire narrative and know exactly where you're going to go. It's values-based and there's a certain level of just openness and the ability to, to gravitate towards what the demand is and how people yeah. see you. Yeah, I think an ability to recognize opportunity is really important. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was originally hired at, at GameStop for, for non-endemic partnerships. It was not even related to esports originally when I was on the agency side. And then when okay. my first day on the brand side, they said, we want you to figure out esports for us. So I was tasked with really focusing on non-endemic partnerships. And then I went to this conference in uh, Los Angeles about two months after I got hired. And there was everybody from the industry there. Mm-hmm. And they were so open to about, nobody has this figured out. And just the people I met and the discussions we were having, I came back to GameStop and I said, guys, esports is the sponsorship opportunity. That's the partnership opportunity because it's really difficult. To, the reason esports is so popular to people outside of gaming compared to non-competitive video games is esports makes gaming sponsorable. Right. There's traditional assets with teams, leagues, events, content, etc. And so it's difficult to sell sponsorships for a game release that's a two-week promotion, and then you're on to the next one, but then the next one is a mature title that has red blood, and so you can't... I mean, it's a difficult ecosystem to partner with people. When I came back and I recognized the opportunity, and I think that's the result of a lot of my success, is being able to see something that's going to be significant and then gravitating towards that and chasing it. Right. And so I would tell people, the thing that people need to do is pursue the opportunity. You need to recognize it, and then you have to go after it. I've moved so many times. <laughs> there was a time that I had moved nine times in seven years, five times cross-country, including being on the road for six months straight on a skateboarding wow. tour. Wow. And that was super hard. I've had multiple times where I moved to a city that I didn't know anybody. It was super lonely and depressing, but you persevere. Yeah. And not all of that was success either. And I I think you talk about Kevin Love and mental health. I think it's also really valuable and just refreshing when people are also open about their struggles and their failings. Yes. And it, what that requires is confidence. Because I did a podcast, I don't know, a few weeks ago or something, maybe a couple months ago. And I got some feedback from people and they said, John, that was, I admire that you were that open about your, the times that you weren't so successful and the struggles you had in your career. And honestly, a couple of years ago, I don't think I would have been confident enough to share those things. Right. But now I've worked through those things. And of course, I still have things to work on. And I'm not anywhere near where my goal is, but being able to just be comfortable with yourself. Mm-hmm. And even if you're still in the midst of the struggle, everybody has struggles. And so if you can be honest about those things and be self-reflective, number one, it's going to inspire others. Yeah. But number two, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to find ways to be able to get out of it because you're not going to find a solution to something that you're not confronting. Right. Well, I'm hosting this podcast because I was super disappointed. I had travel in August and May, speaking, moderating speaking panels, speaking on panels, speaking at events, and all of it washed away. And I like to talk. I like to speak. I love connecting with people. A lot of times I'll have phone conversations, discovery calls. And at the end, I'm like, man, that would have been really cool to record because just in these conversations, we uncovered so many cool little nuggets of wisdom and storytelling. So I just put a LinkedIn post out saying, hey, super bummed. I had all this stuff booked and now Mm -hmm. the world's weird. 
And if anybody wants to talk about having me on their podcast or wants to talk, reach mm-hmm. out. And that's when MAP Esports reached out and, and I had a great conversation for like an hour and a half with Jacob about just my experiences and what he's doing, what they're building. And this opportunity came to light through that. Um, and I'm working cool. with this amazing production team and it's been phenomenal. It's been a great experience and it gives me the ability to have conversations like I would probably have a very similar conversation you and I just about this anyways and sharing some cool stories together but being able to expose that to a broader audience so Mm -hmm. they can live it through what you and I have been through and I've built out personal brands for professional athletes. It's very different than building out a business brand, but there's some things that are paramount, right? In terms of what I always would say to an athlete is on your Twitter, on your Instagram, if, if you're, everything comes down to business. I think if you are an executive or even just starting out and building your career, you can utilize social media and utilize LinkedIn to tell a story and to give people a picture about you to help you get to the next level in your career. As an athlete or an entertainer, it's more about bringing in sponsorship dollars and owning a brand so that um, when you are either injured out of your sport or not re-signed, it gives them the next job opportunity because they were building these relationships. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that I talk about is just you should be able to take a look at a feed and understand really quickly what your values are, what you believe in, what you're excited about, whether it's your hobbies, your personal life or your faith, your friends, what your passion projects are, being somebody like Kevin Love and and caring about mental health, or say you're a basketball player like Ricky Rubio, and you're really passionate about kids and you have all these kid camps and all over the U S and in Spain, you should be able to go through and say, okay, I get what this person's all about within 10 posts and Mm -hmm. a brand should feel safe then to engage with that individual. And the same from a business standpoint is really holding true to the type of content you share, having continuity, being consistent So that if there's the next thing, whether it's a speaking opportunity or a brand partnership or or even a job offer, that they can really understand what your personal values are, what you believe in, how you voice thought leadership out out to the world. Yeah, I I think part of the personal brand too, I don't know how other people view it, but I used to, I didn't think I should include too much about my, who I am personally outside of business. And I think that's a mistake. I think you should identify what is unique about you and what are things about you outside of business that you can attach to your personal brand. I'll give two examples, my friend and then one of me. So a friend of mine, uh, he's a data analyst type of a guy. And recently on his LinkedIn, he said something like these things about data <laughs> clearly yeah. I'm not one clearly you're not a data scientist yeah and then he <laughs> says also I brew beer hmm. and, and he's gotten such a positive response from that because number one it's unique number two it's interesting and then third it's relatable to other people who do that which is like a, it's a subculture right it's a small yeah. world where it's like oh when I was brewing my batch, I put this in there, but then I did that, right? Clearly mm-hmm. not a beer brewer either. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> so that's really been positive for him. For me, I've continued to include more of my skateboarding stuff. And I think a lot of times, or sometimes business can enable you to do things for your hobbies and your personal passions that you wouldn't otherwise. And right. I'll give you an example of that is... When I was at GameStop, I was approached by a supplement brand and they're like weightlifting supplements and they wanted to get into esports. And I, I said, look, to be honest with you, it's a really, you're going to have to do a complete rebrand. You wouldn't want anybody to know that your brand and this other is attached because gamers just aren't going to adopt that, that fitness weightlifting brand. Yeah. And so it's going to, it's a long conversation. If you're really interested in 
putting all this money and resource towards this. I'm happy to help you. But I said, my 36th birthday is coming up. And I, when I was 33, just for fun on Instagram, I filmed 33 tricks for 33 years. Mm. And I said, I want to film 36 tricks for 36 years. And it just so happens that the most important aspect of my skating is my energy level. I said, why don't we do an influencer video with me and you through all your channels? We'll market, promote your product. I'll film the 36 tricks. You guys film it, edit it, push it out through your channels. And then we have a mutually beneficial thing there, right? Right. So I got to do my fun 36 for 36. They got a free marketing opportunity because I said, I'm not asking for to be paid. Right. The value is there for me. Well, then I took that video and I sent it to my friend who works at the barracks, which is the most visited skateboarding website in the world. Their head editor, now the creative director saw the video and said, oh my gosh, we should feature that guy. And they invited me to come to the barracks and do a feature with them, which is on my LinkedIn profile now. And it's just this bucket list thing that I would have never dreamed in in my whole life that this website would invite me of all people to be featured in their private skate park that nobody can get into. And but so, that goes back to recognizing opportunity, which is yeah. like one of your talents, right? Like you were born with specific talents and you've been able to curate those, grow those and articulate sure. them. So I think that's a really important nugget of wisdom is look at an opportunity and be willing to be bold mm-hmm. and just reach out and put it out there because the worst thing that could happen is somebody says, no, I don't want to do that. And you right. not asking is a no. Yeah. And what I would tell people as well, as far as identifying opportunity, use your successes and your accomplishments as launch pads for the next opportunity. Right. So this is something that I learned. If you look at that example that I gave, I recognized opportunity with the supplement brand, right? And I pitched them on something that they bought into. But then I used that video to then go to this next platform that I couldn't go to without the first thing. So that's the way that I look at every accomplishment. I think, okay, I want to do this thing. What will that accomplishing that enable me to do beyond that? So, okay, I did a TED talk. Okay, what can now I have the opportunity, I have this video, I can pitch people to do keynotes. Okay, or or one example is, you know, I've been doing a number of podcast appearances throughout this quarantine, and I'm very thankful for everybody who's had me on. One of the things that I do is I promote the heck out of those podcasts so more people get more views. And then guess what? I get more invitations to do more podcasts. Yeah. And so I had one, one of the first ones I did, I got invitations for three other podcasts to guest on because I did that one. I wouldn't yeah. have had those without that one. And then the question is, okay, John, what do you do with this podcast? Right? right. Yeah. Now that you've gained interest, how do you remain relevant? And I know in asking you to come on this podcast, we had a conversation around like, how do we differentiate even what we're talking about so that it's Mm -hmm. not the same exact narrative with those same little sound bites. Right. And there's a lot of podcasts out there about the sales side, and -hmm. this is more on marketing and marketing tactics. So I think it's important too, like back to relevancy, like how do you stay, how do you stay relevant? This one example is us having a conversation about what can we have this Um, episode of the podcast be about that differentiates from other things that you and I have have talked about. Exactly. So you have to, you seize your moment, but how do you maintain? And a lot of it is what I love is putting myself in the situations where I am forced to grow. I'm forced to research. I'm forced to achieve all there's been things I've committed to, or I, I started a new job that I've never done before. And I force myself into having to do it. So for example, the last thing I've wanted through this shutdown, doing all these podcast appearances is for people to get tired of my voice. (laughs) It's like, oh, there's John again, talking about his five ways to engage the esports thing. And you have to be careful about 
when they're going to launch because mm -hmm. you don't want to have two launch in the same week or back to back on the same one day right after another. You want there to be a little bit of space in between. It can be a lot to manage. It can be. And it's, it comes down to how you tell your story once again, right? So as you're understanding your story, as you're writing it out and figuring out how to tell it, what are the small lessons within that beyond just the main thing? Take a step back. Like sometimes we can get so involved in, oh, I'm trying to generate revenue and I'm trying to get partnerships and I turn to this other thing that we need to take a step back and say, hey, what is it that I'm doing? What can I identify here that's unique and that's valuable that I can share for other people that can help build my personal brand and give people a reason to connect with me and reach out to me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being independent and being esports running strategies and, and working with a lot of brand development on and startups and working with non-endemic brands, bringing them in, I mm -hmm. have found business has been finding me like I, it now is to the point where I'm not chasing business. I definitely, if there's an opportunity and I see it, I will I'll voice, Hey, how do I get involved in what you're doing? Because Sure. I'm adding value already, but it's been really interesting that now it's just a point of being reactive to business opportunities and evaluating yeah. right fit. So I think lastly, before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about right fit. You mm -hmm. being a pro skateboarder, I'm sure that there are some guidelines that personally you were following in terms of finding the right types of partnerships that you would want to align with and making sure they're authentic. Me working with traditional pro athletes and now with gamers is trying to find what is that appropriate fit and being able to create part of your brand is actually understanding kind of what your values are, what you believe in, mm -hmm. your hobbies, your interests, all of those things and ensuring that any opportunity that comes to you really measures up. Share a little bit with me about in the past, how did you approach that? And even now in terms of, of business opportunities and business alignment, what are some of the things that you're being intentional with? Yeah. So I, th I, th I think one is opportunities become exponential based on your network. So I think in the past, I was pursuing things due to desperation. <laughs> you're like, I just need a sponsor. Right. I just need a sponsor. And then as you start to become more established, then you have options. Mm -hmm. So I would urge people be self-aware of where you are in your process. Am I at the beginning where I, I need to put myself out there? I need to go forward. I need to take any opportunity I can get early on, sometimes regardless of fit, just to get a experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I need to volunteer for something <clears throat> just so now I can say I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Then get the next thing. As you grow in your career, and I think the network is so important. It I can't stress enough the value of a network because going back to what we said before, people hire their friends, right? You're you get to know people comfortably personally and in the business setting. Well then you're in the room when the idea is coming to fruition yes and then you're there when they're saying hey we need an advisor yeah or hey john do you want equity in this thing right mm -hmm. yep. and so it's been interesting to me to see how that's very exponential mm -hmm. and it takes a while to get there yeah but once you get there then you have the opportunity to evaluate fit and yeah. you can be selective so I think a lot of it comes down to networking and then being aware of where in the process you're at, because you, what you don't want to do is think is be selective when you should be desperate. <laughs> <laughs> and you also shouldn't act like somebody who's desperate when you're just not looking up and aware that you do have options. Some of us right. can just work so hard so long and never look up, take a step back, self-reflect and say, hold on, there's this thing. Or I would also say, don't be afraid to change into a new industry. Mm -hmm. There's so much overlap between different industries. 
And when I started gaining this network with Stadia and some of our friends over there, a good friend of mine, I was actually a little bit concerned that everybody would take all my knowledge and then leave me in the dust. <laughs> right. I, I, I have the same fear. A lot of people are like, have this fear of this imposter syndrome. For yeah. me, I have the fear of someone, I'm so open and I'm so willing to share that someone's going to take and just copy me. I've addressed that with some people and there was somebody referred me to mention this guy who's super successful, who's very open-handed with his, his knowledge and his relationships. And he said, here's the thing. He said, if I tell you everything I know, well, it's taken me 10 years to learn that. And there's, and I'm continuing to learn. Mm-hmm. You're, you've got a good head start, but you're still at step one. Yeah. Right. And then he said, the other thing is 90% of people aren't going to do anything with it anyway. Yeah. That's more of a sad statement than anything else. But my friend in the Stadia Network, you know, I talked to him one time. He said, John, people like me, where I am in my career, we're not looking to learn new things. We're an expert in what we're an expert in. And we're looking to connect with people who have complementary skill sets and experience who we trust. Yeah. And so I think, are there some bad eggs out there who might stab you in the back or whatever? Probably. But I started out just as a test, just being open-handed with my relationships and my connections and my knowledge. And it has done nothing but come back to me Yeah. in positive ways. So right. I would really yeah. encourage that. I mean, my approach has been karma and like do it anyways, right? Yeah. Because... I've seen so much positive effect mm-hmm. of being able to be a catalyst for other people within this industry and others, mm-hmm. uh, especially in two key areas, mentoring either young people or, or startups and, and helping them really flourish and grow. Just, it's not like it's, it's just from experience, right? So yeah. Just being able to say, okay, it would probably take you a couple of months to research and figure out the right solution. But because I've already done these things for so many years, I've worked with this particular partner and I know how they work. It's just shortcutting, right? Shortcutting yeah. with introduction. The second group is just like you said, people who are trying to pivot into a different industry or just feeling like where they're working isn't a fit for them. And I, I've, the best story I have literally happened all in one day. I had back-to-back coffee meetings and I met with this young girl who had reached out and she just was in a, a role right out of college that wasn't a good fit for her. She had only been there for five months. And she's like, do I, should I stay for a full year? Will it look bad? And I was like, you need to rip the bandaid off. You need to find a place first to plant yourself. But now yeah. is really the right time because what you're telling me makes complete sense. You thought you wanted to go down this route right after school. You've done it. Now you've quickly realized it's not going to take you a year and a half to realize you don't like that. So quickly and miserable. You quickly realize this isn't the right fit. So she was really asking me a lot of questions on more of like the creative side, the agency side and, and personality fit means a lot. So I was talking about if you're an account executive, this is what it's going to feel like. If you're on the production side, this is what it's going to feel like. If you're a project manager, this is what it's going to feel like day to day. And depending on even where you are in your career, I was asking her about the event industry, what she knew about the event industry, because she's just, she's somebody who needs to be around people. She needs to be busy. She's on her feet. And my meeting right after hers was a gentleman who ran an event company And he came in and I introduced them. She got his business card. She emailed him right away. After she left this coffee house, he was telling me that they were actually looking for somebody. He hired her within like a month. She worked, she started working there Wow! and she loves that job. Like it has been a perfect fit for her. That is what drives me to say, I'm still going to have the conversation and I'm still going to help the person because I know for a fact that I, I might not have an opportunity to do direct business with either of them, but they both benefited from me making those connections and, and indirectly, whether in a year or five years, there will be something yeah. that's going to come to fruition because they're, my name is in people's mouths now. Exactly and I think right. that's really, that is a personal brand really is how the world sees you.
Yes. So I'd rather be seen as open and generous than live in fear and hold all of the content and the thought leadership that I've gained and, and gleaned it for 21 years, just hoard it for myself. No one's going to benefit from that. That's right. Ultimately, when you look at other people, it's going to come back to you. The more people you look out for, the more people you help, the more that creates opportunity for yourself. Right. Yeah. Good talk, John. Good talking to you. So if people are interested in reaching out to you for business or following you just because you're cool and you push out some <laughs> awesome content, what's the best way for, for people to get connected? Yeah, the two platforms would be on Twitter and LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, type in John Davidson PRG, and I'm in a suit riding a skateboard to, you know, trying to reinforce that personal brand. Yeah. And yeah. then Twitter is at John Davidson, but zeros instead of O's. So at J0HNDAVIDS0N. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and um, having a really cool discussion around personal branding. You definitely have a strong personal brand. I think a lot of people in our industry and others would love to be able to emulate and, and um, curate in their own way. So thanks for sharing your insight and, and being on the show, John. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, guys.